to invite you to one of our morning worship services here at All Branch Church of Christ. If um, you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad you're here with us. And um, ask you to visit the cards in front of you. We ask you to fill those out and put them in the uh, communion collection plates out in the foyer so we have a record of your attendance. And we also like to meet you after our service if you'd like to stay around a little bit. Um, thankful for everyone that's here, uh, present, and on our um, live stream. It's a cold day, but thankful to be here together as a family. I got a few announcements to make and a couple of thank you cards to read before I uh, announce our order of service this morning. Uh, first couple announcements we have is uh, sympathy is extended to um, Tina Winham and her mother's funeral. Uh, we got to remember uh, her. Uh, her funeral uh, will be postponed till Saturday, February 20th in Clarksdale, Mississippi. That's Miss Elsie Monty. Her funeral will be Saturday, February 20th in Clarksdale, Mississippi. We also want to remember Mr. Danny Moss and his dad's funeral was yesterday. Uh, we also want to remember uh, Sandy Hallwell and Tina's dad. Um, he has some biopsies in the, new in the near future, and all prayers are very much appreciated. Uh, again, there's others in our bulletin uh, and on our hearts and mind that are going through a lot, whether it be COVID or other uh, situations going on in our lives. We just want to lift those up in our prayers. I got a couple of thank you cards I like to read. Um, dear church family, we like to express our deep gratitude to all who called, sent cards, or who attended the visitation or funeral service for Todd's dad, Steve Williams. We also greatly appreciate the beautiful flowers that were sent from the church. You all mean so much to us in Christian love, Todd and Debbie Williams. Also have another one. Thank you so much for the prayers, thoughts, cards, calls, and support for me when I had my accident and the loss of my brother. I am very thankful for my wonderful Christian family, Annette Prater, and family. The order of our worship service will be here in a minute. Uh, Bill Howard will have our opening prayer. Closing prayer will be Dave Johnson. Scripture reading will be Tim Howard. He'll be reading from Acts chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. If you'd like to go ahead and turn, Acts chapter 7, 17, verses 10 and 11. Mike Hickson will have our sermon. Billy Sasser will have our song leading. Noah Wallace will have our communion. Right now, let's focus on prayer with God. Just pray with me. <clears throat> Our Lord and God in heaven, we thank you, Dora, for this morning that we can come together to worship you. We thank you, Dora, for the freedom that we have, that we can come unmolested to worship you in peace. We thank you, Dora, for the many blessings of life you give us. We thank you for our jobs, our friends, our family, and for the sacrifice that your son made upon the cross that we might have the forgiveness of our sins and one day spend eternity with you. Dear God, there's many that are sick, they have been mentioned, those who are undergoing uh, biopsies, fighting cancer, going, having many treatments. We ask, dear God, that you'd be with each and every one of our sick, that you'd give them back that portion of health if it be your will. And those, dear Lord, that have lost loved ones, we ask, dear Lord, that you'd comfort them, help us to be there to support them as we should as brothers and sisters. Dear God, as we go through our worship this day, we ask that you'd be with Mike and give him a ready recollection of the things he has studied and prepared for us. And be a Billy Dewar as he leads us through our singing, that we can edify one another with our voices. We ask your God that as we go through our life that you would open up opportunities and doors and help us to see those opportunities to spread your word to friends, strangers, anyone that we can in our daily lives. We ask your God that you'd 
go with us as we go through our jobs and, and we're in the world and we ask Lord you help us to stay in it but not of it and that we can be a shining example for you. Dear God, bless those that are traveling this day and keep them safe. Help them reach their destination safely. Dear God, also forgive us for our sins as we, as we falter in our lives and help us to forgive those that sin against us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first song this morning will be number 632, 632.
Our next song will be number 342. 342. will only be on the screen is thy heart right with God. This morning's scripture will be coming from Acts chapter 17 verses 10 and 11. 
Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Bera. Where they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Good morning. We are glad you're here. Didn't anticipate the snow falling this early, but we are glad that we have the opportunity to be together. Hopefully and prayerfully, it will uh, not really hit till tomorrow, at least uh, in, it, in the worst of the worst. But anyway, we appreciate so much you being here today. Thank you if you're visiting. We appreciate so much you being here. We hope to, hope to see you back here again. We'd love to have you come back. And visit with us if you're looking for a church home. As always, we invite you to please consider the work here. It would be an honor for us to have the opportunity to study with you, to work with you, and to try to the best of our ability to make known Christ in this community and around the world. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 17 in our study today, Acts chapter 17. There is a lot of value in looking at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is really a template of the birth, infancy, and growth of the New Testament church. In this great book, we read of the missionary endeavors of Paul and Silas and Barnabas, first century saints, people interested in taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. So today we're going to look at Acts chapter 17 and the account of Paul and Silas in the city of Berea. How many of you know what a polygraph test is? Polygraph tests are usually administered to people in an effort to determine whether or not somebody is telling the truth. My understanding is that polygraph tests are not admissible in the court of law, that people can sometimes lie and get away with it. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul would write in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel is God's power unto salvation. I want to suggest to you this morning in our study that we have a polygraph test that will determine whether or not what somebody is preaching and teaching is true. Furthermore, it will determine whether or not we are what we ought to be in the eyes of God. It might be the case, and I suspect it is the case, that there are people that have, from time to time, beaten the polygraph test. They've been lying, and they weren't caught. When it comes to the Word of God, you won't be able to lie your way out of your lifestyle or with regard to whether or not you've obeyed the gospel. God's polygraph test is Scripture. So what I want us to do is look at Acts chapter 17. I want to begin by talking about their arrival in the city. As you look at Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas, you remember they had been in the city of Philippi. And they were run out of town. And so they traveled west or southwest to the city of Thessalonica. In the city of Thessalonica... The Bible outlines, or Luke outlines, their labors in the city. First of all, we think about 
the place where they preached. Note, if you would, beginning in verse 1. They came to Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. The reason Paul and Silas went to the synagogue, because he had a ready-made audience. There were people there. They were there for the purpose of worshiping God. Paul and Silas knew that there would be several individuals there that they could share the gospel with. And so in that city, we read of their labors. And note, if you would, what the text says. Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And the Bible says, explaining and demonstrating that this Jesus, listen to what he says, had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And so in this text, we find the place where they were preaching. The Bible tells us they were preaching in the synagogues. And then note, if you would, in verse 4, the text says, Some of them were persuaded, a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. And so, Paul regularly looked for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ did his dead-level best to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Christ. Now, Acts chapter 17 tells us that there was some opposition in the city. A good number of people believed in the gospel. They became obedient to the faith. The Bible says not a few of the leading women or a great multitude of the Greeks and then some of the leading women. They too joined hands with the apostle Paul. Opposition arose, trouble arose in the city. They made the charge against Paul and Silas. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They were resistant to the preaching and teaching of the Apostle Paul, weren't they? As I said a moment ago, Paul usually found an audience of people. Synagogue would be a great place. Historians indicate that in order for there to be a synagogue in a city, you had to have at least 10 men. So there would have been a number of people that were assembled in this city, or rather in the synagogue, for the purpose of worshiping God. Now, as a result of the trouble that was stirred up in the city, the Bible tells us they had to travel to another city. They, they were literally run out of town, weren't they? And so the Bible tells us they leave the city of Thessalonica, and they move just a few miles down the road to the city of Berea. When they get to Berea, again, they're looking for opportunities to share the gospel. So now, note now, if you would, beginning in verse 10. In verse 10, we read of their actions in the city. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now look at verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. So again, they're in a synagogue preaching and teaching the gospel. You want to know what they were preaching and teaching? Go back to Thessalonica. They're opening the Scriptures. They're talking about the Christ that they had to suffer, rise again from the... Rise again the third day. They are connecting the dots. 
and pointing out that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one. Now, the Bible tells us a couple of things about the people to whom they preached. Number one, the Bible says they were receptive to the Word of God. Let me ask you a question today. How receptive are you to Scripture? These people had an open mind, an open heart, didn't they? Jesus in Luke chapter 8, in verse 15, talks about an honest and good heart. Before a person can ever obey the gospel of Christ, he or she must have an honest heart. You've got to be willing to listen to what the Word of God says, and the Bible is the best critic I know of. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All the writer is saying is God's Word serves as a critic in our lives. It tells us what we're doing right. It will tell us what we're doing wrong. That's why we have to be careful when we read and examine Scriptures. These people were receptive to the Word of God. How receptive are you to the Scriptures? You know, sometimes people get mad when they hear God's Word. Sometimes folks get angry. And rather than listening receptively, rather than trying to learn and do something about their problems in life, particularly sin, they get mad and they close the Bible. They close their mind. These folks had, they were receptive to the Word of God. And the Bible says they researched the Word of God. Listen again to what Luke said. They received the Word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. Here were people that were diligent in their investigation of divine truth. You know, we live in a day and time when people really don't appreciate truth, do they? There are a lot of folks in our world today, the idea of absolute truth is out the door. They'll tell you there is no such thing as absolute truth. And they'll tell you that in an emphatic way, which is a contradiction. Well, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Can we know the truth? Yes, we can. Paul said he received revelation from God. He took that revelation, wrote it down in a few words. He said, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In Ephesians 5, Paul said, Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We can understand the Word of God. It might take some work. It might be that we, like the eunuch of old, we need somebody to guide us so that we might more accurately ascertain the will of God, but we can know what the truth is. Paul said, God's desire is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Somebody says, What is truth? That's what Pontius Pilate asked. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. God's word is the divine standard. Now, Paul was an apostle, wasn't he? Paul was numbered among the apostles. He had the ability to perform the miraculous. Paul was the author of about 13 epistles in the New Testament. 
His writings superintended or guided by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God has come to us via revelation, hasn't it? Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth has come, He'll guide you into all truth. We have all things pertaining to life and godliness, according to Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. So here's an inspired apostle. He's preaching and teaching. He is opening the Old Testament Scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament like we do in completed form. In the first century, the gospel resided in the man. Today it's in a book. So here are people and they're listening to what Paul said. They're investigating what the Old Testament had to say about the coming of Christ. Paul, as an inspired apostle, was not offended when they researched and checked him out. It doesn't offend me if you investigate what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, I want you to investigate. Don't take my word for it. You make sure that what you hear coincides with what the Bible teaches. Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Paul in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, asked this question. What does the Scripture say? It's not what I think or what I say. It's what the Bible says. Let's just talk about God's polygraph test for a minute. How do you know whether or not you're a child of God? How do you know whether or not you have obeyed the gospel of Christ as revealed in Scripture? There are a lot of folks, if you look at what they say they did in light of what the Word of God says, they would fail God's polygraph, wouldn't they? I mean, this reoccurring anthem that we often hear from those in the denominational world. Number one, people will say, you know what, you were born in sin. We weren't born in sin. The Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Sin identified by John as a transgression of the law. Ezekiel said, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. So we're not born in sin. We don't have original sin. But then there are those in the religious world that will tell you, here's what you need to do to become a child of God. You hear this every day on the radio. You can see it on the television. Typically, what you hear people say is, you need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. By faith, you accept the Lord into your heart, and then you're saved. And then there are those that will say, if you'll just recite this simple prayer after me, called the sinner's prayer, you'll become a child of God. I want to ask you a question. Does that meet the approval of God's polygraph test? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to have faith in the Lord, don't we? Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. Faith is mandatory. We would never diminish the importance of faith. But the Bible also says repentance is mandatory. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. On Pentecost Day, the Apostle Peter was writing, or rather the Apostle Peter was preaching the gospel in its fullness. Those people were convicted of sin. Convicted by what means? By the Word of God. So they're convicted of sin. They cry out, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, number one, you need to repent. 
Paul would say in Acts chapter 17, verse 34, that God commands all men everywhere to repent. That is a universal command. We must all hear the gospel and believe it. We must repent of our sins, and then we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. And then we're baptized into Christ for what reason? Not for an outward sign of an inward faith. The Bible does not teach that. And those in the world today that say you do not have to be baptized in order to be saved, then my question is, what are you going to do with Mark 16, 16? People that say they love the Lord Jesus and they honor His commands, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You believe, you're baptized, and then you're saved. Baptism is nowhere said to be an outward sign of an inward grace. It doesn't operate like that. On Pentecost Day, and by the way, Peter received the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 16, 19. And the Bible says the other apostles, they too receive the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, 18. The Bible says also in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, these men on Pentecost Day were endowed with a baptismal measure of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. Listen to what the Bible says. As the Spirit gave them utterance. What are you saying, Luke? He's saying that God guided the presentation of the Word of God. What they heard was what God wanted them to hear. What right do I have to come along and say, you don't need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins because that's exactly what Peter said we must do in order to be forgiven. When the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus and the Lord appeared to him, you remember the instructions were that he would be told what he must do. For three days, Saul of Tarsus was praying and fasting. When Ananias came on the scene, Ananias said to him, And now, what are you waiting on? Why tarry? Arise and be baptized. For what purpose? To wash away your sins. If you haven't done what the Bible says to do, then you're not a Christian. If you haven't heard the gospel, believed in Christ, repented of sin, confessed His name, and been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you're without hope and without God in this world. And the only way that you can contact the blood of Jesus is by going where it was shed. It was shed in death, John 19, 34 and 35, and the only way to appropriate that blood is to be baptized into Christ. How do I know that? Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There are a lot of folks in the world today, if you were to say, are you a Christian? They'd raise their hand. They'd say, I'm a member. I am a member in good standing with the Lord. But God's polygraph says, you're not telling the truth. Why? Because you haven't obeyed the truth. If you haven't obeyed what the Bible says to obey, are you then what the Bible says you ought to be? No. So we're baptized into Christ. For what purpose? For the remission of sins, to contact the blood of Christ, and to be added to the body of Christ. There are people in the world today, in the religious world, that will tell you the church is a non-entity. You don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. Is that right? Is that what the Bible teaches? Look, that fails God's polygraph test. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who received the word were baptized. Those who gladly received the word were baptized. About 3,000 souls added to them. Verse 47, the Bible says, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. That means the saved were located where? In the church. You're telling me then I don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. When somebody tells you that, you know right off the bat they're not telling the truth. They're not telling you what the Bible says. Now listen to what John said in 1 John 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit or teacher, but rather try or test the spirits or teachers. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I know what these guys teach on the radio and television. I know what's taught and propagated in denominational circles, but I'm not talking about what they're preaching and teaching. I'm talking about what the Bible says. That's all that matters. If you haven't obeyed what the Bible says, that is, if you haven't obeyed the commands of God, you're not a Christian. You're not a member of the body of Christ. Why? Because you haven't obeyed the gospel. This past week, we've had four baptisms. Everyone that has been baptized into Christ this week, they've done the same thing and they've been added to the same body. The religious world at large they wear different names. They teach different doctrines. They practice different things. You mean to tell me that that's pleasing in the eyes of God? No, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said that there be no division among you. How then do you rectify the problem of division? Here's what Paul said, that you all speak the same thing. If you're not speaking the oracles of God, you're not telling people what they need to hear. So that's what the Bible says we must do to become a child of God. Now, I don't want to stop there. I want to ask this question. If you're a child of God, let's say you've done what the Bible says to do to become a Christian. Can you pass God's polygraph test with regard to faithfulness? There are a lot of folks in the church today, they think they're on the way to heaven. But I got news. I've got news for them. You fail God's polygraph test. You remember what Jesus said about love? He said we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, the focal point of, Christ, the, focal point of the kingdom is whom? The focal point of the kingdom is to seek it first. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto you. I know we got a lot of folks that are watching by way of our live stream. And I'm coming to your neighborhood this week. I'm in your neighborhood right now. And we've got some folks that are watching via the internet. And I understand that we're dealing with COVID. Initially, there were legitimate fears, were there not? But I'm concerned about some who haven't been here one day since March. Let me tell you what, we've got some folks, matter of fact, I heard a comment by a member of the body of Christ. And if you're watching, I want you to listen to this very carefully. They said that they would just as soon sit home in their pajamas and drink coffee and watch the services. My friend, you become a spectator. You're not a participant. And if you think you're going to heaven, I've got news for you. You have missed it by a mile. 
Are there people that legitimately are unable to come? Yes. I'm not talking about them. But there are some of you who are watching by way of the internet, and you go to Walmart, you go to Kroger, you go out to eat, you go on vacations, you do any and everything, but then you say, you can't come to worship because of COVID. Well, let me tell you what. I didn't know COVID only came out on Sunday mornings. That's amazing to me. Must not ever come out unless it's 9 to 11 a.m. in the morning and then 6 p.m. at night. My friend, if that's you today, I got one word for you. You need to repent. That's what the Bible says. You think you're seeking first the kingdom of God. You've got time to go out and eat with your neighbors. And you've got time to go to work every day and do this and do that. You're not putting the kingdom first. And any of us who are not putting the kingdom of God first, we fail God's litmus test, don't we? We fail the polygraph test. You can say that you're a child of God and that you're going to heaven, but listen, the Bible is right. Man's wrong. And sometimes people say, well, you know, the church, look, the church doesn't teach anything. The Bible teaches, right? Our obligation is to be submissive to the Word of God. The church can be wrong. The Bible's right. And if we're not living right, the Bible says we're not living right. I'm not just talking to people that are watching online. I'm talking to all of us, myself included. If we're not putting the kingdom of God first, we are lost. Do you know what it means to be lost? You ever thought about that? Imagine, if you can, what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. To you that are afflicted, rest with us at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven. With the, angel of his, with the angels of His power, rendering vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody who says they're an atheist, they're lost. Agnostic, lost. Somebody who hasn't obeyed the gospel as revealed in the Bible, lost. Without hope, without God. You don't want to be on that side of the ledger. Jesus said to those on the left, He will say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In Luke 16, when the rich man lifted up his eyes, the Bible says he was in torment. One minute you're on planet Earth, the next minute you're in eternity. Talking last week about people that may not be back Sunday. Something could happen. We hear that, it rolls right off our backs, doesn't it? We had an object lesson last week. How do you stack up? I'm concerned about mamas and daddies that don't think enough of their own soul and the souls of their children and grandchildren to come to services every week, to come three times a week. What does that do? It breeds infidelity, doesn't it? I don't know of anybody that wants to see their child lost. In all probability, if your child is lost, it's because of your lifestyle because of the way you are living or the way you have lived. 
Now you think about your children, your grandchildren being lost in the devil's hell. That is a frightening thought. The rich man lifted up his eyes in torment. He did not want his brothers coming to that place. If you haven't obeyed the gospel and you're not obeying the gospel because of your allegiance to somebody else, you need to understand. If they're lost and they could talk to you, they would want you to do what's right. The rich man didn't want his brothers ending up in that place. And if your mama and daddy were to be lost, they wouldn't want you there either, would they? How receptive are you to the Word of God? And then, have you done your research? How often do you study the Bible? Do you study the Bible like the psalmist of old who meditated on it day and night, Psalm 1-2? Are you meditating on the truth of Almighty God? Are you studying? Are you growing? If you haven't grown, does that meet the approval of God's polygraph. Didn't Peter say, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Didn't Peter say, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you might grow thereby? Everything we're talking about really falls under one heading. It's called the heart. It's the heart. We do what we want to do. If you're faithful, it's because you want to be faithful. If you're not faithful, it's because your heart's not in it. Don't think you're going to get by on less than what the Lord demands. I know we live in a culture today, and the thrust of our culture today is you alter the Word to, to fit your lifestyle. The Bible says that we alter our lives to fit the Word. So what about you? Where are you? Just say you're sitting down face to face with God. He's got the polygraph test open. He's just going down the list. You obeyed the word? You obeyed the gospel? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Do you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Is your citizenship in heaven? Are you seeking things which are above? Are you studying like you ought to study? Are you faithful in your worship? Are you faithful in the work of the church? You know, some folks, they think once they become a Christian, they can just coast on in. Jesus said, I'll say to those on the right hand, I was hungry, and what would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was sick and in prison, you visited me. A non-working Christian does not fit the profile of God's polygraph. Paul said, we're to be zealous of good works, Titus 2, verse 14. In Titus 3, verse 1, he said, we are to be ready unto every good work. In chapter 3, verse 8, he said, we're to be careful to maintain good works. In Ephesians 2, at verse 10, Paul said that we've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Is there a theme there? The theme is you better be busy. You better be active. You better be working in the kingdom of God because if you're not, you're not living to the glory of God. Are you salt? Are you a measure of influence in the world around us? Are you light in this world? If you're not salt and light, let me tell you what, something wrong. 
Something is wrong in your life. Very quickly, before our time runs out. Number three, note their adversaries. The Bible says in verse 13, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but, though, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. There were a lot of converts in Berea. The Bible says many believe. Belief is a, synect, a synecdoche here, apart from the whole. For example, they did what Luke records in Acts 5, 14, when he says, and the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. How were they added to the Lord? They repented of their sins, they were baptized into Christ, and the Lord added them to the church, Acts 2, 47. So many of those people in the city, they believed what they heard, and they obeyed the gospel. So there were conversions. But, just like in Thessalonica, there was conflict. Again, the Bible says, Verse 13, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the Word of God was preached by Paul in Berea, they, by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Whenever God's Word is preached, it'll bring conflict, won't it? Are there people in the world that get upset when they hear the clarity of the God? Sure they do. Conflict was no stranger to Paul. Faced it wherever he went, preaching and teaching. All I'm saying is, when you live a Christian life and you share the gospel of Christ, you can expect persecution and conflict. It, com it comes with the territory. It's what Paul faced. So my question to you today, have you done what the Bible says to do to become a Christian? Got your arm out, hooked up to the polygraph, here it is. Have you done what the Bible says to do? If you haven't, in the kindest words I know, you're not a Christian. You're not. You've got to obey the gospel. If as a child of God, your life doesn't meet the approval of God's polygraph, you need to change your life. You need to repent. The Bible's very clear. Only one way to be saved. And then the key is to remain steadfast in the kingdom of God. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do that today. If you're unfaithful to his cause, please come home. Don't leave here mad. It may be that some people watching today, they're mad. Maybe you're mad. I get it. Here's what Paul asked one time. Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Truth can cut you, can hurt. We're not here to hurt, we're here to help. That's the whole intent of the lessons, to help. If you need to respond, do so now.
we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we will sing all we come together on the screen. morning. Before we begin this morning, I want to make sure everyone has one of the communion sets. So if you do not have a set, please raise your hand and the men in the back will get you one. I think we have one. All right. This morning, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. And it says, And they were eating... And Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and take and said, Take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks to them, saying, Drink from all, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine. 
from now until the day when I drink it new in my Father's kingdom. So this morning, as we gather around the table and take part in the communion service, we think about the love Christ had for us. There's no greater day than today to think about love because today is Valentine's Day. Today, what do we do? Today, we give out presents, gifts to our loved ones to, to just show that we care and are thinking about them. And there's no greater way that Christ showed his love than coming to this earth and dying on that cross so we could have eternal life one day. So as we take this bread and this cup this morning, let's not just think of it as just another Sunday morning of we're punching the clock of taking the communion, but actually think about Christ and his, and his love for us on the cross that day that he really shed his blood and his body on that cross. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this bread which represents your body on that cross, Father. May we take it in a very worthy manner, remembering what it represents. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this cup, this fruit of the vine, which represents your blood on that cross that day, Father. Please help us to take it in a very worthy manner, remembering what it represents. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. There will be communion tray or uh, contribution trays out in the foyer for anyone who wants to give on your way out today. It's snowing. If you didn't know it, it's still snowing. Uh, the elders have decided that with the possibility of road conditions being what they're going to be by late this afternoon, that we're not going to assemble this evening. Uh, There will be, at the proper time, there will be online services, but for the sake of safety, we're going to ask everybody, please don't get out in it. Just stay at home. And uh, it's not an easy decision to make, but we, we realize that especially if the freezing rain comes in that they're talking about that it would be treacherous for us to get out. So, and, and many of us travel quite a distance to be here, so just stay at home, be safe, and uh, this will conclude our formal worship for this morning. If you have any questions or comments about what we, has been said this morning, we appreciate you making an effort to get those comments to us. Let us know. And if we can study with you or explain anything, we we love the opportunity to do that also. Uh, Hopefully, by Tuesday morning, 
maybe we can get back together, but I don't know. You know, with depends on which weather forecast happens. You know, if we get the 14 inches, somebody some of them are given. This is the South. We'll be shut down. You know, <laughs> you won't anybody go anywhere. You know, so we just have to take it as we can. But it's good for you to have been here this morning. We appreciate each one of you's effort, and we look forward to seeing you at the next opportunity. You may stand if you'd like, and we're going to sing the Young Miss Lambert Party, number 870, and then we'll have our closing prayer. The Young Miss Lambert Party, losing and leaving, party on the Father, we thank you that we've been able to assemble and worship you. We pray that our worship has been acceptable in your sight. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us with our problems, particularly the, the weather. But these problems are temporary. We seek your permanent place that you've, you have for us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll study your word diligently, that we'll study it with an open mind, and that we'll share it with others. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, who through his blood we have redemption, forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for your church that he established by coming and, and dying on that cross for us. 
We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll be with each member here. Give them strength and courage to live the Christian life. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those that are grieving the loss of loved ones and those that are recovering from illnesses. We pray that you be with them. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we can also give back to the church with our funds and that your work can be done. We ask these things through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, Mike Hickson here. Thank you so much for watching our worship service today. We're so glad that you took time out of your schedule to be a part of our service today. We'd love to invite you to come and be a part of our worship services every Sunday. We'd love to have you on Wednesday night as well. If you have a question or a comment, please feel free to contact us. Hope to see you right back here again next week. Until then, God bless.